Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Whatever you're saving up for, a CD from Sandy Spring Bank lets you grow your savings at a guaranteed rate. Right now, earn interest at 5.00% APY on an 8-month CD special or 4.25% APY on a 14-month CD special. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com slash cdspecials. Minimum opening deposit to earn the annual percentage yield is $500 for the 8-month CD special and $2,500 for the 14-month CD special. Member FDIC. This is a podcast from Minute Media. <laughs> it would be a wolf spot, eh? Hello, 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 and welcome to today's episode of Wolves Fancast. Wolves are back to scoring, they're back to winning ways. Yes, I know the 1 0 win wasn't the most exciting of games, particularly in the first half, but that's why me and Stuart are here today to hopefully bring a bit of joy to your lives with everything else going on in the world. Um, as always, we're proud to be part of the 19 Min Football Network. Um, go check them out at 90 Min. Um, dot com. Stu, let's get right into it. You went down to Brighton yesterday. <laughs> How was the journey? Because <laughs> it's for a midweek game in the build like a bit of foresight, don't you think? Just, I mean, in for context, I mean, everyone go and read Daniel Story's piece on the, the iNews that he went to um, Plymouth versus Sunderland. On Saturday, oh, okay. which they they left for a three o'clock kickoff, they had to leave Plymouth at half four in the morning. So, for a bit of context, we get we get quite easy here being in the middle of everything. But yeah, I mean, for the video people, you can see the state of my eyes. <laughs> we um we left at two. There was horrendous traffic all the way there. Um, we were always going to go straight in anyway because we didn't know about the COVID nonsense and how long that it takes to get in. So we were never going to have a pub stop for a change. But because it was so bad, the um, the driver's taco ran out. So we were like, <laughs> oh, no, we're going to be scrambling now. We're going to either pull over on the hard shoulder or if there's a service anywhere near here, we'll pull in there. And as luck would have it, we found the services that were selling that had a fridge in the Smiths that had a few bottles and cans and stuff. So we kind of had a bit of a jolly boys outing on the in the the Costa coffee drinking area of these uh these services so two coachfuls of people just turning up out of the blue <laughs> which was um which, which was a different experience but yeah it was horrendous journey and it, it took we left at two we got in the ground at 20 past seven okay 
So yeah, eight. A marathon. But, yeah, it, it was a, it was a marathon, not Snickers. Um, but yeah, it was. By the time we got there, the, the queue for the COVID stuff was round from. If anyone knows where who's been to Brighton before, where you go down the steps and the way ends opposite, right opposite, yeah. It had snagged around the left-hand side and it gone all the way around what's like the, the cliff face kind of thing. And it was mm. almost into the home area. Because okay. So you're talking five, 600 people were queuing there. And by that point, with 10 minutes to go, they just abandoned it all. They said, oh, sorry. They try. So then they just they were just letting a certain amount of people into the, into the barricades, mm. get through the turnstiles, and then let another th- lot through. They weren't even scanning people with their security ones. The, it was just because it the whole thing of oh we're going to do spot checks. It seemed like that was the intention to start with, where a few like one in ten or whatever, then then to one in five, and it seemed like they were doing everyone at one point, and it just got backed up and backed up and backed up, and it completely failed. And then they just had to abandon all practices and just let everyone in as normal, which was obviously great. Yeah, I mean, we, we could probably do an entire podcast around, I guess, COVID procedures around football and. Judging by the news today, there's even uncertainty whether Wolves will be playing at the weekend. Um, but uh, weirdly, it taps into a question we'll have later on in a way that at least, at least if it's at Brighton, it's a relatively, you know, friendly ground to be at. I can't imagine, let's say, you know, if that queue's building up against the Villa, for example. Yeah, yeah. And people have been drinking, and it's you know people are starting to get a bit agitated and X, Y, and Z. Um, but we, we, hey, at least you made it in, you know. Yeah, and the tour kickoff, which was amazing, really, in, in the circumstances that we found ourselves with, when we didn't even leave the services until I think it was about twenty to seven, and we were thinking, oh well, we'll see the second half. But yeah, to be fair, the drive did really well, and we got through it all, but. Yeah, it was a similar situation at Leicester, though, in the first game of the season, which that wasn't COVID, but it, it was like they'd forgot how to judge a crowd. And yeah. they were so, like, being so vigorous with the searches with the security. It wasn't just the ones that they might as well have been. I mean, you get thrown out of a, a strip club for the way they were acting, but it was like <laughs> touching up central with everyone. And it got to the stage where and it was pissing down rain as well. And that did start getting nasty. And in the end, they gave up there as well. So, yeah, you are right. Brighton being the friendly place that it is, they got lucky. And if this carries on, which who knows how long it's going to carry on for, they're going to have to sort something out properly because people people won't stand for it. And I think yesterday, because people hadn't necessarily had a drink before they got there, on the whole, it was kind of okay. Everyone kind of accepted it. And it was the first time for away fans anyway. But yeah, it's it's a recipe for disaster. And we yeah. should point out as well, COVID has stricken us. That's why there's only two of us today. Yeah, well, I was going to say COVID and hangovers. Let, let, well, let, let's let's be honest, you know. Uh, we'll, we'll... Yeah, some, some of us are a disgrace. Yeah, you know. No names. Oh, we, we, we won't name names on this, even if they were called the most reasonable voice in the fan cast several days ago um, <laughs> to then bottle out, you know. Not... Just saying, we, we don't like to issue fines, you know, in the run up to Christmas in the fan cast, but you know, sometimes you've got to lead with the iron fist, haven't you? Um, exactly. But should we talk a bit about the game? Because, first, uh, lineup wise, we, we knew Jimenez wasn't going to start. Um, 
I guess it was a question of how we we're going to line up at the front. Um, and he went Trincao, Adama, Podence. I mean, I was going to say, were you happy with it or were you at least content? Because it doesn't look great on paper, so to speak. I wasn't exactly inspired with confidence as opposed to some maybe I'd be more confident if you've gone Huang or Silver personally, just because they're a bit more forwardy. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was shocked that Traore didn't start just because of his history with his good friend Dan Byrne and what a Tory time he's given him over the last three or four years. And obviously, Bruno Large wasn't here then, so but you'd ex- imagine that he's seen the tapes like you said he had. That was the only, that was the only one. Oh, yeah, so, so I just realised I said Wang started and not Troy away. Sorry, forgive me. Can we just just yeah. brush over. Yeah. It doesn't matter. We're all I was going to say no, no, no. So, someone will pick it up. So apologies. Yeah, I'd, I'd have. Yeah, I, I'd have still gone silver personally, but that's a debate for later on. Yeah, I think him not even starting in this situation. I think we all said we might have said it in the week as well in the podcast from. Um, after that game where if Fabio doesn't start when Jimenez is not available, then you've got to ask, especially against a team like Brighton, who are not one of the big hitters, then you've got to start asking questions. And I'm presuming that we'll get onto that later. But mm. it was no surprise for me because he's hardly featured whatsoever so far. Yeah. But the, the only the only shock for me was Traore not playing. And I've been his, one of his biggest critics anyway this season, but in that situation against them players that he's tortured so many times, it was a bit of a shock. Yeah, especially what happened when he actually did come on. Um, yeah. And, you know, <laughs> I, I, I was surprised, to be honest, because, you know, Brighton, as they sort of showed yesterday, aren't a team who sit really deep and invite pressure and make it difficult for someone like Traore. They do play really open. Um, you know, to their, to their detriment, frankly. Um, and the other shame, which, you know, I, I was happened sort of relatively before kickoff, was Aitnori having to drop out. Yeah. Um, just because of but the form he's been in recently. I don't think we kind of quite know at the moment the severity of it and, you know, whether he'll be back for Sunday. No, it, it doesn't look good, does it, when you, when you pull up in the warm-up and when they've said now that it was a recurring injury from the week before, you think, oh, no, here we, here we go again. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, uh, that was one of them things where you someone had put it in the group chat about him doing it in the warm-up. As uh, we got into our seats and then we looked and said, that is not Aiden Uri, is it? Yeah. And it was kind of like your heart sinks a bit because he hadn't, Marcel hadn't been great in his last performance. <laughs> Um, way back in October, amazingly. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's kind of easy to forget that I guess Marcel started the season, and it's only been in the last like six weeks. But I mean, we, we've had an international break as well. Don't get me wrong, but how easily Aitnor he's kind of embedded himself into his team, and he's almost been an automatic first choice because of his defensive work and his work going forward. And it did feel a bit of a downgrade when you see Marcel. It, I, I kind of did go, obviously I was disappointed he was injured, but I was like, oh, I feel like we are weaker having Marcel in the mm. team. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that that that, that was a shame. Um, 
as you said, you got to the game, what, about 10, 10 minutes before kickoff. At what point did you kind of go, I could have coped if I'd have been, you know, 10, 15 minutes late as well? Because the first, you know, the first half an hour, 40 minutes was tough viewing. And I, I was watching it on, you know, our good friends at Amazon Prime. Um, you know, uh, no, it was BT Sport even, um, who are still our good friends, don't worry. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, 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 it felt a slog to watch, and I can't really put my finger on why. It was just, I think it was one of them where it followed the pattern of so many away games, again, like we talked about in the week, about like Palace away, how bad that was, Leeds away, how bad that was, Villa for 60, 70 minutes, where we just had no ambition whatsoever. <laughs> and it was like, okay, let's just, let's keep the ball, let's pass it amongst ourselves along the back line, back five, then go, then go again, and then let's go, maybe go into midfield for a bit and then pass it backwards. And it was just, it wasn't even a variation on a theme, it was just was the theme again. And then everyone went, they went down at half time, kind of, well, thinking they were going to get down at half, half time, pretty deflated until inevitable happened and um and Moroccan Maldini saved us all. But yeah, that, that first the first 40 minutes proper dragged. Yeah, I mean for me it was personified and I'm almost quite glad I didn't get the tweet out in time. But in the build so to speak for um for, for the goal itself, Podence won free kick right on the edge of the box. And that was almost like the first thing we'd really done. It was incisive. It was great attacking play. It was building into something. And he got tripped up on the edge of the box. You go, oh, hang on. Really good chance here. And, you know, I saw it and Podence steps up for it. Ne- Never's nowhere near. I'm like, okay, this is this is different. This feels, feels <laughs> strange. Um and it was quite frankly one of the worst free kicks I've seen in a long time. And it ended up going, I think it might have even gone out for the corner that led to the goal. Yeah, it did. Um, and I think at the time I was, I, I got like halfway through tweeting being like, that pretty much sums up Wolves first half or something along <laughs> those lines. And then a bit of magic happened. Yeah. And, and- I think if, if never took the free kick, he wouldn't have been in the position he was from the corner either. So, a bit of um, foresight there. But, yeah, there was um, a thing with that free kick. Matt went with, went, with, went with me yesterday. And as soon as the free kick got placed and he went to put money on Neves to score, <laughs> he, he, his finger was hovering over his phone. And I, I don't think he ever did it because he never mentioned it again. But it was hovering there. and then Because we've seen that in... Potence in training, taking free kicks against the um, the steel men. Yeah. So there was high hopes there, but then, it, like you said, it all went tits up. But yeah, the Neves. Well, what is it? It's it's just beautiful. That's exactly exactly what it is. I mean, you look yeah. at there, and it was um, someone from the club actually said, "How does he even see that?" Yeah. I mean, and but there's it no... doesn't make any sense. No. But there is no point where it kind of you go, oh, it, you can see what he's about to do. And he, I think it's great that he does try and play a pass and he does try and like do something with it. Um, because that although he is a very good long range shooter, if he tries to shoot there and it deflects off that wall of 
Brighton plays in front of him. We're caught on the break and stuff like that. So he knows he needs to do something with it. But just the vision, you, so you look where Sace is and Sace just turns into, you know, Ruud van Nistelrooy. <laughs> uh, like, it, it, it's a type of attacking prowess that our strikers should be jealous of in terms of how we, you know, you can see him looking at Neves. Either it's something they work on in trading or it's just something Sace is just willing to gamble on that, you know what, if, you know, so, so if Neves has a shot there and it gets parried back out, Sace is the only one who will be alert to that happening. Yeah. And, and he, I was, he'll be I was, the only one who's to rebound. I was just going to say that, that them working on it in training, because Spears said something about our big Tony Roberts had set, smiling down the down the tunnel after it happened, and then Bruno Lage himself came out later and said the work on second phases all the time. Yeah, and so that it would make perfect sense for this is why Neves saw this because it was planned. Yeah, maybe maybe not with Sace being there, maybe with something someone else. I mean, who knows? Why would Sace be trying to take a right footed volley when he's left footed and, and a defender? But if it was planned. Exactly, he is. His his foot is like Bob Ross's paintbrush. It was perfectly executed and a brilliantly finished off. It was delirium. I mean, not having scored a goal for what seems like a whole year. Yeah, <laughs> there was um, there was going to be chaos when it actually happened anyway. But when a goal went in of this quality, it was just absolute bedlam. And I think you've sort of highlighted a really kind of key point in that. The finish as well. Like, yeah. it was his weak foot, and it's just perfectly just guided into the bottom corner. It's not rash. He's not tried to, you know, put too much on it because he just knows that he's ended up in a position where he's eight yards out. Um, no one's expected it. Um, I, I just thought it, it, it was just the little things, isn't it, sometimes? And when you've had a really crap journey to an away game, we've been in could you say we've been in bad form? I mean, we, we've barely scored in, you know, we haven't scored in the last few games anyway. So you could sort of argue that we're not doing much, we're not doing what's needed in front of goal. But that just reminds me why you love football. Yeah. And it was, it as soon as it happened, it reminded me, I, I turned into the man and I just said it, it reminded me of the one for um, the body scored against Besiktas where he picked him out from nowhere. Yeah, it reminded me of a very similar to kind of thing to that, and there was one against Villa as well, yeah. where in the similar kind of position. So it's obviously something that they've worked on, and something that none—I don't think any of us are going to give them any credit for. They're, they're working the, the second phase, and how ridiculously they, we, we don't seem to be threatened by set pieces. When last season it was the complete opposite. Yeah, um, I. <sighs> I think the second phase is one is a really big one and them not panicking with it and just knowing what to do because we get enough corners. And I mean, we're, te- we're let's be honest, we're terrible at taking corners. I think Marcel was on corners um, for, for one part and I actually quite like Marcel as a player, although I said he's a bit of a downgrade on eight Nori. But if he's on your corners, I feel like that asks questions of other players on the pitch. Um, personally but they, the fact that they know what to do and some of them are just switched on at the moment and they know that if the ball breaks out to Neves people are going to charge him 
because yeah. they they want to stop him shooting first and foremost. But now, knowing that he can do that as well, are they going to give him an extra half a yard of space, twenty yards out? Well, exactly. You, you can you can either charge him or leave him alone. No. Yeah. So I mean, it's the whole thing with Troy Ray as well. Isn't it? When you think, well, if he's got three three men on him, then there's space for someone else. It never works out like that. Yeah. But the options are going to be start to appear now, which is and something th- that we've lacked for a long time. Yeah, and I think kind of with Nevers as a whole and his form this season, um, one of my observations of Nevers was uh, it's a pretty obvious one. He doesn't do those big raking passes like he used to um, in the championship, and part of that is because. We're up against better players who can close him down better and can mark his teammates better. But also, he's not quite as quick to be able to do it. Um, but actually, that seems to have changed now and he seems to have just developed that ability to find that extra half yard of space as well. Um, it will be able to get it out of his feet just that tenth of a second quicker to be able to do something with it. Um, and I think... That, that assist is just indicative of his form at the moment and, and yeah. the confidence he's playing with. Because I mean, another day, he might you know, a year ago, what does he do in that situation? Because it ain't that. Yeah, it'd be blasted over the bar. I mean, I, I kind of said that I expected it to hit the seagull on the back wall. But if he if he, he'd started lining up for a free kick in the first place, but you know, that's what that was a shock when he's he's um. His long range shot was actually on target as well and not blazed yeah. over. Yeah. Of the world. Where's this coming from? <laughs> this is new. Yeah, he's I mean when I put that that tweet out from my own account about six weeks ago or something like that, where when his hair he'd started to grow his hair like Perlo. And he mm. probably got something like six hundred likes or wherever it was. And it was kind of a joke at first because obviously that's his idol as well. But he really is turning into Perlo. The way he moves now, the way he holds himself, passes like this, it's getting to the stage now where he's getting, he's been playing as well in the Premier League as he as he played in the Championship for us. Yeah, and something something that we've we thought would happen straight away, but it's took a different manager in a different kind of way. I mean, Matinho's you got to give him credit as well because they they've shared the workload perfectly. I do think he was good last night as well. Mm. But how they've kind of their kind of reorganisation in midfield, not having him chase from side to side, him on the right and Matino on the left or vice versa, whichever they're patrolling, has worked wonders. And he he's freed in a way, which is all what we begged for for the whole of last season. Yeah, because I think you can see with Neves, he's such a talented player. He can play a defensive midfield role. He can play a bit further forward. He can do whatever you need to in that midfield. Just let him do it. Just give yeah. him just give him the, the, the freedom to be able to. And I think it's a really good point on Martino as well and his form for a lot of this season. And he, with Martino, I, I think someone tweeted us last week sort of saying, oh, why doesn't he get many goals or assists? It's like, because it his game isn't about that really, really raw output. And actually, you can... Uh, a lot of time, you only know if Martino is having a good game because you sort of notice if he's having a bad one. So, like yesterday, he didn't do anything ridiculously flash. There weren't any huge standout moments in passes or last-minute blocks. 
but the game flowed yeah for a large part of it particularly in the second half for wolves and i bet if you actually just focus on what matinho is doing you go hang on he hasn't misplaced a pass in 20 minutes well it, it, there was um, there was times in that first half where he looked like the fittest bloke on the pitch yeah and the, not taking into account that it, he played pretty much on his own in midfield against man city a few days yeah. earlier at his age it's it, it's just incredible incredible professional player everything about the bloke is just superb and uh, i think we all kind of was I mean, and in would he be able to carry on for another year and he surpassed anything we expected. Yeah. And I sort of think with Matino as well, there's a, that he's got more range as well in terms of what that next step is. So like you know, if he plays Wolves next season, that his role might slightly change in the pitch and he might become a little bit more of a sitter and just be a and be a proper patrolman in front of that um back line. Um, or we might even do kind of what Neves does and you know what, we're just going to play him a bit further forward. That's where he's going to pick up space and get the pockets. And you just sort of think that he can still do it all. But there's nothing that you can't think, oh, he, he, he struggles with. He's still Wolves' best tackler. Yeah. He he doesn't miss headers. It, oh, it, it's, it's crazy. He's, he's our best tackler, but he's... he's um He's... Ability to not get booked is <laughs> still in quite incredible. It's it's fantastic. The the apologetic incredulity he sometimes displays. <laughs> um, you know, we'll we'll move on. I guess it was only moments after the um ball's goal that then Brighton missed an absolute sitter. I'd argue I can't remember last time I've seen one that. Bad. I know it was bouncing. It was a bit away from him, but still, like, yeah, <laughs> a lot of people had gone down to get a point by this point, <laughs> and um, we we obviously was being seasoned professionals, hadn't we? Were still there, and it, it was just disbelief. <laughs> I I can't think. I mean, the, the one that came to mind was Carney for Albion from yeah. under the bar, but I, seeing one live like that. It's. I mean, it, Sar's got. I mean, Sar has not claimed the ball like you'd expect him to in that situation in the first mm. hand. And as, as it drops into his path, and you think he could just fall on this and it'll go in. Yeah. But absolutely. Could have taken, no taken a touch if he needed to. Um, it did bring me on to something interesting because it can't, for me, it showed for when you, when you look in, you look in for walls. But. From what I can see, Brighton's look isn't particularly in, and the natives are getting restless there, Stu. I don't know if you saw this picture of the Potter Out poster, but it is potentially my <laughs> favourite. Um, I've pulled it up on screen. It is a man holding an A3, I want to say, bit of card saying Potter Out, but he has horrendously misjudged um, the size of his font. Um, and I, I looked at it, Stu, and you know what I thought? Should have gone landscape for starters. Yeah. If you're gonna do, if you're gonna do a poster, which you're gonna bring to a game, I think landscape because I think it's gonna be easier to fit. You know, you got two lines of you got two words, two lines, job done. Stencil it out, man. I mean, the, I don't think you can, it's too hard. You look at the, the guys either side of him, and they look very shameful. 
And I think the, the one bloke there is not hiding his face because it was cold, because it wasn't last night. We, we, we were down to short, shirt sleeves. It was warm oh. in the Amex for the first time ever. Mm. Um, mm. But yeah, I don't get it. I don't understand. I mean, obviously, we're not Brighton fans. We don't see it every weekend. And there was, there'd be a, similar things from fans all over the country saying, oh, what, how could you possibly want Nuno gone and all that stuff last season? So who are we to judge? But from what you watch of, of Brighton and from what they... Their abilities, um, and he's been there a few years, Ace. And, and if they don't think they're progressing, then fine, that's up to them. But it seems baffling when they have chances every week to bury teams and just constantly miss them all the time. Yeah, I mean, what Wolves lost the VXG battle yesterday pretty much because of that missed yes. miss sitter. I think that was pretty much classed as a goal, whereas Wolves wasn't. Um, but Going into the second half, Traore's on. We seem to be a little bit more uh, progressive in the counter-attack. Um, and we do have quite a few sort of one-on-ones. But one of the things that I found interesting was Traore actually picked the pass. Yeah, he was, it was his best performance of the season, easily. It was, it, was, it was like Bruno said to him, wasn't it? Look, have five touches, then just... Just, just pass it to someone else. Don't worry about shooting yourself. Just, just let Bru- just let Potence miss instead. Yeah, there was the, the, that one. From where we were behind the goal, it seemed like he could have gone a bit further up upfield, and he looked like he passed it too soon. But then watching it back on the highlights, he made the right decision again. And it's almost, it's almost like they found where his brain was stored and put it back in his head because he's, he was, he was, he was. He was almost like a different player yesterday in terms of his actual football intelligence. And I know there's people are going to say, oh, he's not got a brain and all this stuff. And we joke about it, but that's been a massive part of it, the problem with him for four years. Yeah. <laughs> and Bruno said that he's been working with him and he's, they're trying. Yesterday was the first example I've seen where he's been different. And mm. it was for the, for the team rather than himself, which you think... Wow, where's this? Where's this come from? This is all we've ever asked for, and yeah. the misses and the, the messes, the mess up where he should have played Raul in a few weeks ago, and the shot against the bar, being rash and stuff like this. Yeah, maybe that's played a part of it. Maybe that was the reason. That was the the thing, the light bulb moment in his head to think, okay, maybe I do need to knuckle down, and maybe I do need to look up once in a while. Mm. But yesterday, absolutely couldn't couldn't fault him whatsoever. No, I think my my sort of one when when it came to the, the um Raul one way hit the crossbar is just like you know you're not a great finisher. Mm. Why I, I understand it because he seems to want to sort of just push on himself, but just take less accountability and responsibility. Pick the option that's actually easier for you. Or yeah. and. It, it, it just seemed on. Say he just seemed to get it that he wasn't he wasn't trying to take on that extra man. He wasn't trying to push it that extra five yards and potentially lose it. Or and, and to be fair, he wins three kicks for fun, and it's not like he dives or anything like that. It's not like when because I hate the phrase to be honest. You know he's good at winning free kicks because it usually implies that you're not quick enough. Troy just gets fouled, yeah. and so you know it. it it affects his confidence a lot. 
for some instead of him sort of driving him on, he seems to get upset that people kind of constantly foul him on the turn, and then he shies away a bit, or he kind of loses his metal. But he just seemed to be in control. Yeah, he he. You can see when he he takes it to heart when he and he's normally in that kind of pose where his legs are out, out straight and he he hits the ground with both fists. And we, we've yeah. seen that we've seen that reaction loads of times. And after that, he, he, he his mind does seem to wander. But yeah, he was focused. I mean, it might be a bit of a mental thing to say, but that first twenty minutes of the second half for me was the most complete performance we've had all season. Just in how we were, con- we were completely under control of things. Defensively, we were solid. Midfield had it locked down for the majority of the time, and we actually looked a threat going forward. There was no pissing about. We just looked like we had a complete plan, and it was really impressive to watch. And when you go from the complete opposite of that in the first forty minutes of the game, where it was so turgid and dull, to then coming up and putting that kind of performance in, I mean, you look at the chances that we had. Okay, so I mean, yeah, Spears put a thing in the week about how our front, our front line, their goal scoring records before coming to Wolves is quite piss poor. Uh, yeah. So, why do you expect them to score now? Because Raul, Raul did, but he's a one off. And mm. um, it's kind of like in Robocop 2, where they, where they tried to find, they tried to make a new one, and you got that one that pulls its own head off because it can't cope with not being a human anymore, the one that shoots itself. It's like, well, yeah. Alex Murphy was a one-off. You don't get this every every day of the week. So we, our problem all season was our, our defense. It's not though, is it? It's getting someone nah. to actually score, and that was more evident than anything yesterday. Yeah, no, completely agree. And I mean, even even Trincao had a couple of chances as well, and I still can't quite make my mind upon him. I thought it was again his again, best performance it was, as well. Yeah, but second it still half feels like you're something missing though. I, yes. I, I couldn't tell you what. I don't know if it came across as well on the telly um, as it did in person because his upper body strength for the second half, he had some. <laughs> which again, where how has this happened? He was putting himself about. He wasn't jumping out of tackles. He was leaving his footing and not showing away from it. He was again making the correct decision, which he's other than the Watford game away, where he seemed to be superb in that first half before um, the chance, and he just looked as promising as we were led to believe, and as well mm. I saw in the games against the the also runs of La Liga when he's playing for Barca. But again, he it was his best performance. Second half, first half, he was the same as everyone else, and he was exactly as you'd expect tr- uh, Trinko to play at Brighton on a Wednesday night in December. Yeah, second half was the opposite there. So again, I think sort one. of, I think sort of the person who kind of linked it all together in those regards is Podence, who did miss a couple of chances, but again, he was probably one few bright sparks in the first foot, half an hour, and then again, second half, I think we we talk about him quite a lot just because. He's someone who, when he plays and he gets a couple of games, he looks good and he looks yeah. like he can do something, particularly against an opposition like Brighton. But it's just about him being able to get a run of games under his belt. And I think he was kind of key for that interlinkingness between Trincao and Triore and him, himself to actually get the ball moving, 
you know, from, I guess, just inside our own half, past the halfway line and really kind of stretching their back line. Yeah. And he was, <laughs> the, the two highlights of the match when he out-jumped Dan Byrne, which yes. is just fucking outrageous. It should never happen in a million years. Like that, uh, that is proper glitch in the Matrix stuff, isn't it? But people were genuinely looking around at each other. Like, how is it? Well, why has this happened? But uh, uh, just yeah. baffling. It, it, it truly is. I mean, the, the only over pitch we've not really talked about um, is defensively. And to be honest, second half, even be, when there was 10 plus minutes of added time, I never felt phased or worried that Brighton were going to score. Yeah. Didn't. And I don't quite know if it's because Brighton are Brighton um, without sort of sounding too harsh on them. And I, I said a similar thing against Southampton as well. And to be honest, about most teams in in the division, the difference between a like a bang average Premier League team and a good team is having a striker who can score your goals regularly. And yeah. they just they they play good football, play all right at the back most of the time. But I did not, I was not worried at all with 20 minutes to go. But I just, I just thought Cody's playing well. Sace is killing it. Kilman's, well, he's just Max Kilman, isn't he? Just, just yeah. you know, as I say, Star, Star steps up as and when needed. It's just a solid, solid all-round defensive performance as well to shut him out. We just don't even need to talk about it anymore because it's kind of expected now. Yeah. And that's, I mean, when I said that we'd finish 16th, it was on the basis that our defence was shit. Yeah. And that's what I said. And honestly, looking at it going into the season with M3 at the back, obviously Cody looked a bit out of sorts that season. I had no doubt about, about Kilman, but I thought, well, he might get dragged down to their level. And Sace was a wild card. But you look at his performance yesterday and he was like a man possessed. Yeah. Yeah, I'm telling you, he's fine to play at front. <laughs> well, he, has he got the um, the third most goals now in the last like, 18 months or something? Yeah, I mean, I, I saw somebody online, I cannot remember who, did like the Premier League comparison between like um, Sace and Harry Kane. And it's like <laughs> both 17 games, Sace two goals, Harry Kane one. And it made me laugh. And then I thought, yeah, but put him next to like six of our players. Yeah, you know, it's, it might not read great either. Um, but yeah, as I say, just it feels very repetitive now that we're saying Kilman had a good game. I mean, that that seems just to be a really big thing, but also Cody as well. And again, Sonny's had his critics, we've been critical of him on here sometimes. Same with Sace and, and Matinho as well. That sort of players have been around a bit now, we, we've seen. A lot of them, I guess, but they just—they're all just doing their jobs. And there was there was one person as well that they mentioned anywhere online, which was shock horror because he did nothing wrong. And that was Nelson Samedo yesterday. He was just—he—he he actually went again, listening and knowing your job and doing your job. He was mm. going forward and he was taking people on something we haven't really seen that much of from him. We've yeah. seen it in patches, but yesterday he looked like he wanted to do it and he wasn't scared anymore. Yeah. Which maybe that's been away from Molyneux and the uh, and the 
what was it, the Wolfisms or whatever Dave Jones called it that once. Um, but yeah, he's just developed into what we all really knew he was. And yeah, and, and the interchange he had with Troy as well. Yeah, and, and like, I mean, I like Samado to be, um, and there, there was a couple points in the second half where I just sort of thought, you know what, any of the similar with eight Norway against Man City, where it's like, can we just dispel the rumours or any notion that eight Norway is bad defensively? Can we just do that with Samado now as well and just sort of line in the sand? He is actually a really good defensive player because well, he's, he's he made a couple of mistakes last season. But apart from that, he hasn't. Yeah. He, his last twelve months at Wolves since in twenty twenty one must be one of our top five performance performers. Yeah, easily. And I, I said this to Gully though, and I said this last season that he would be scapegoated when we came yeah. back. People would not appreciate him because he he had a few. Ricks to start with in the penalty against Villa and said people won't people will be on his back for no reason at all because that's what fans do. Um but I thought yesterday I thought well there was times where like we were saying about having no kind of fear that they would, they'd score in the last ten minutes. When someone was up against him, I don't worry anymore. No. So I know because you got and they kind of showed it on match today because I watched that this afternoon when I tried to recover a bit of sleep. And um, they they showed how hey, when one's out of position, someone else automatically drops back in into place. But he's very rarely the one out of position. He's covering for other people as well. And he was doing that last season to his own detriment because he was doing three people's jobs. Now, he doesn't have to do that. He can stay in his own place where he's supposed to be. And he's got to be up there with, with um, successful takedowns of uh, one-on-ones. He has to be. Yeah. So I can't remember too many where people anyone's got past him. Yeah, and I refuse to believe that, you know, the, having Kilman alongside of him as well, like that must massively help him. You know, yeah. it is no surprise all of those players are kind of playing well and they have each other's backs and just that extra support Samedo gets from Kilman, which he wasn't getting last season because that player kept changing. It could have been Bali, it was Says, Cody played there once. You know, wasn't exactly consistent. Then Donker played there as well. It wasn't consistent. He has played mo- sixteen games maybe this season, something like that. Um, mm. Next to Kilman, and just they they just seem to just say understand, know what they're doing. Could he be a bit more of an attacking output in the same way Doherty was? Yes, but as a right wing back, is it his job to? fully chipping with five goals a season or as, as you alluded to actually our attacking players are the ones who are needing to score goals and none of them really have much of a track record of it no um, no i've been i've been impressed with him all season i'm gonna i know we, we we kind of um we touched on it at the start when he came in but i thought marcel was superb yesterday yeah defensively i thought he was abs- he was solid I mean, he's he's nonsense in his play acting. Is <laughs> it's like, it's just comical now. And you, well, the the, the, um, the bit where he was off the pitch when they were, when they had a corner, they rolled the first off, and he rolled back on, Love and then it. he was doing this the bouncing up and down thing. And you think you know what you're doing? You know exactly what you're doing. And he was the ref came over and he was laughing at him, and he was he, he was going to say, "Come on!" But uh, there, there is a he is either a bit of a heel 
<laughs> or he is genuinely like a little bit mental and I don't know which one I'd rather it be. Because it's it's not like he does rash challenges or anything like that, but he do, he, he seems to have a um, at least a bachelor's in the dark arts. Yeah. Um Yeah, yeah know, I think he's... I think he's in the, the same kind of insanity category that Jose Sari's at times. Yeah. They've both got uh, that kind of look about him. Yeah, and Sace as well, or do you think Sace is like a cut above? I think he's he's just Sace is in his own little Sace world. I don't think there's anyone else like him in the whole Premier League. <laughs> when, like when he said it in his his interview with, with I presume it was Kelly Summers, um, mm. and he said, "Can I have a bit of respect for the finish or something like that?" <laughs> you think, well, you, you've hit it. With your, you've kind of you've hot, you've vol- side you've side foot placed volleyed it into the bottom corner with your wrong <laughs> foot, and you're coming on throwing shade. Interviews yeah. just <laughs> doesn't even know what's been talked about. <laughs> <laughs> no one else would do that. He's just he's brilliant. I, I mean, I, I said I, I genuinely wasn't sure if it, he'd be here this season because I thought he he plays in a few positions. Um, he he sort of feels like he's the next like in depth chart, how you want to describe it. That's the next day we need to improve. But he's a really good player to have in the having the squad, yeah. and you can see just the character from the fun side, but the leader he is as well, and you know the fact that sometimes you do take a lot of, um, you know, footballers take a lot of flack, is particularly sometimes how Wolves act, and he just is someone who goes, "Don't worry, guys, I'll take it all on. Don't worry." Uh, I will be the pantomime villain at the Etihad. And, you know, you you just do what you do. Let you concentrate on that. Um, so, yeah, again, let's say, I think, you know, if we judge by the second half, particularly that back line, everyone did, everyone did their jobs. Um, who would you give your man of a match to, though? Uh, the, I mean, I was thinking of this on the way back, and I was on an hour in between... I mean, I, I did think of Marcel for a lot of the time, just because mm. I thought he's he was so unexpected for him, not just for him being there at all, but for that performance that he put in. But for me, Sace was superb, but I think Neves was a class above anyone else on the pitch yesterday. Yeah, I, I, I'd I'd racked my brains for it, and if you move away first half an hour. And even you just focus on the second half, the fact that we were moving the ball forwards and we're solid at the back kind of implies the midfield must be doing their job. Hmm. And you look at the assist as well. And as I say, you could have given it to about four different players, but I think I'm going to go Nevers as, as well. I think that's sort of, I'd be fascinated to go through these review pods we've done this season because I think he might. Be leading them by a country mile at this rate. It'll, um, it'll be I've, it'll be Neves, Kilman, and Saar. That'll be the t- the top three. Yeah, you know, I think again, I think it just shows that he is in, he has reached that level which we all which we all knew he would. Um, we're going to be who, back after this. Ooh, I was going to say, who did BT give it to? I can't remember. I think it might have been. Ooh, I can't remember. I want to say Sace. Well, they were interviewing Sace, but I thought that that was because of the goal, but it doesn't really matter. 
Um, I was going to know before we get we go for the break. The um, the little football freestyle show between uh, Trinko yes. and Pedence in the corner flag was just even the, the Brighton fans who kind of they were looking on it quite bemused at what was going on with everyone outlaying them every time one of them didn't touch the floor with the ball. But they started joining in as well after the after about the, the eighth minute of the ref not coming back. <laughs> yeah, it, it just I mean, something I don't think I've ever seen before. No, it was just like we're a bit bored. She was. It, it there was something very childlike, innocent in it. Yeah, where it didn't like they'd be doing that if they were at training and someone had forgotten the bibs. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, or something like that. It wasn't like they were playing to the crowd or anything like that. It was just like with two footballers who were a bit bored. Let's just let's just knock this about until we can go again. Yeah, it was it was very weird, but incredibly entertaining at the same time. <laughs> I, were you disappointed more players didn't join them, or did it work but, just for two of them for you? I think if anyone else had joined in, it would have been taking the piss a little bit. <laughs> Because <laughs> um, I mean, to be fair to them, everyone else seemed to be kind of keeping themselves like limber, and they were warming up and like throwing their arms around and stuff. And them two were just pissing about. So it's I'd, ar- great to see. I'd argue though they get they're, they're keeping warmer better than any others. You know, they're, well, they're, they're mentally they're, more switched on. So yeah, they're, they're, they've got the ball at their feet, which is which is it. Right, let's go for a break. We're going to talk a little bit about Fabio Silva, and then we're just going to go right into um, some Twitter corner questions because we have got some good ones. We'll be back right after this. Hi. Hi, it's Richard from Wolves Fancast here. Just interrupting today's show before we get back to some questionable opinions and opinionated questions. Talk to you a little bit about our sponsors, Pixel Yeti Media. They are a design agency that put you and your business first from web design, logo and branding design and marketing. If you have any marketing needs, get in touch with them to find out how they can help you get it right. They are over at pixelyettingmedia.com. Now let's get back to a show where we can give you some really forced wordplay, niche cultural references and maybe even a bit of football talk. Attention parents and students, we have an incredible exclusive offer from our friends at ProPrep. This is the perfect study tool for university students undertaking science, technology, engineering or maths related modules. It can halve your study time. ProPrep provides bite-sized videos relevant to the module or course which can be accessed from any device at any time. It has already helped over 500,000 students pass their exams. They provide customised STEM study tools that match your syllabus. Long lectures are condensed into short and clear video tutorials. After the video, you can go through what you've already learned with interactive exercises and practice questions so you'll be ready. You can even submit questions to the ProPrep professors and receive a video answer within 24 hours. ProPrep created a special offer just for our listeners. All you need to do is go to their website, proprep.uk forward slash info forward slash football for more information and our listeners can sign up today for a free 30-day trial. No credit card information required. That's P-R-O-P-R-E-P. .uk forward slash info forward slash football pro prep the ultimate study tool attention parents and students we have an incredible Hello, welcome back. apparently the advert side twice over um we are back hello um what i want to talk about was fabio silva because as we said he didn't start yesterday um and it kind of just made me think 
what the hell is going on here? Does Largo not rate him? Do we? Does he not quite see it? Does he need to go out and run? What are your thoughts on him? Um, I think his time's up, to be honest. I think it's been a complete monumental failure on everyone's part. It was a gamble because we wouldn't be able to sign him after the Brexit deadline. I think that's pretty obvious now. I know it's pretty harsh to say, yeah, he hasn't, he hasn't moved on, but you can't be paying that money in our situation for someone who has not moved on and, and progressed in any way, shape or form, other than getting a little bit bigger physically. Since and, he's he's got, and he's got a sleeved hat. Yeah. All in it, I mean, Luke did say if he, once he bugs up and gets a sleeve and he has a buzz cut and then it, we know he's, seen, he's been serious about things. But he hasn't cut his hair, has he? So, and it's a, a travesty to all of us in that the opposite camp. But now, I just think he needs to leave. Be that no one's going to spend anything more. I mean, how much would anyone pay for him at this point? You're talking what eight million, maybe? I think you'd be lucky to get that because what's he done since he's been here? He's got a penalty at Burnley away when we were already the game was lost. He scored a couple, the one against the Albion, and he's just not shown enough for me. At all. I mean, I don't want to, I don't like slagging him off because he's a kid, and and I said he should be sent into League Two last season. Um, but again, we had no choice last season, and that's probably gone against him now and ruined him a little bit because he seems to have picked up a few bad, bad habits. There's been questions about his attitude already, which is never a good thing, and once that starts coming out, then. It's a slippery slope, and how he kind of stormed off down the tunnel uh, full time yesterday, rather than coming over to the fans like everyone else did. You think, well, come on, get a grip of yourself. I mean, what, what, are you, what are you playing at there? It's like Jamie O'Hara behaviour. And for me, I would send him anywhere possible in January just to get him out of the place because he clearly needs a break from it all. He clearly needs to be somewhere that's not. Wolverhampton and Molyneux be that league I mean I know I got cited in the group chat for saying he should go down to league one because I don't think he's going to the championship who would who would possibly take him what championship club would take him on loan with his record that he hasn't got I think he he needs to go somewhere where he's going to be challenged physically if it's in this country or he needs to go somewhere like back to somewhere in Portugal maybe somewhere in Maybe somewhere in the Ukraine or somewhere like that, somewhere out of the spotlight a little bit. From well, the spotlight from England anyway, just to get a few goals under his belt and get a few games, a run of games, because he's not going to get it here. He can't be playing on the twenty threes of the price tag, which again is not his fault. It's just a complete mess, and and, and yet another complete false and fuck up for me. And yeah, it's, unfo- it's unfortunate for him. Obviously, it's unfortunate for us because what that money could have been spent on that we needed at the time rather than someone like that. A vanity project that's failed miserably that doesn't seem to have a happy ending in sight for anyone. Well, I think for, for me, I, I, I'm i not quite sure I'd agree with all your points quite necessarily to a degree, but I'd see where you're coming from, um, which seems like a really polite way of me telling you <laughs> I don't, doesn't it? But I don't Every- get it. 
everyone's going to come and say what they think of, of what I said anyway. So yeah, it, it doesn't but matter. I do. For me, it's they don't seem to have a plan for him, mm. and he is a young player who, all right, y- y- if you sign a player for that price tag of that age, um, you, you need to have a you need to have a plan, and it doesn't matter who's who's in charge. It doesn't matter if it's Nuno or Bruno. That, that that development needs to be fixed. So, like last season, it was, you know, very much keep him at the club, give him give him twenty minutes here and there. Of course, then we had Raul injury and William Jose coming in and him having to play, which wasn't the plan. Now, this season, right, we got a new manager, but he just ain't playing. He is getting ten minutes, if that. And he's not coming on even if we need a goal because for one reason or another. So if Fosen slash Wolves rate him, of which I don't quite know if they do to the same degree now, because it's not like they're putting out socials and scoring in training and all of that jazz that they they would do if they really wanted to highlight him. Mm. But get him out on loan, get him playing regular football. Look what it's done for Gibbs White. I know Gibbs White's a couple of years older, but footballers need to be playing football to improve. It is so basic. What we, we can argue about what level he's good enough for. I personally think he'd be able to play in the championship, um, just because I think there, there, there is such a gulf between Premier League and Championship. And right, he might need a. I think if he plays for half decent one, he will get chances. And we can see he's a good finisher. We've seen that he can actually score goals in Premier League. So I, I think he'd probably just about do it in the Championship. But he's probably on an absolute wage of Wolves, of which you know <laughs> it makes it makes it very difficult. And uh, you, you can put, you're right in terms of it being a massive mess up in terms of well what what was it 35 million i know some of its add-ons some of its clauses and x y and z but if you go on brass tacks that we could get two players for 16 million which is what wolves like to do in a transfer window we like mm. to sign players for 15 million to 18 million that's that's what our level is and as I say for me it's just that we don't seem to know either Bruno doesn't rate him or they don't quite know what they want to do with him and that's not a good place for footballers to be in. No. I think it will it would help the fact that we've got like a loans pathway manager now. Yeah. So if he is sent out and they are looking for somewhere proper for him to go rather than just saying well you fuck off and find your own way. Um yeah. if there is Someone at the club like that who is looking ahead, like how successful Gibbs White's loan's been, like you just said. If if a deal like that comes up in January, then hurrah, everyone everyone benefits. But there, I mean, there, you, there is the exception to the rule, like Foden, who obviously wasn't signed, but he was a young kid with massive prom- promise who never went on loan, barely featured for Man City. And the whole Pep thing of he needs to learn for players in here, and look at him now, and he's still ridiculously young. Yeah. So from for everyone we say yeah, Gibbs White and, and the Harry Kane to like Norrington Millwall and all that stuff. There is the opposite where 
you you can learn from the best and you can develop. So, but for talk of his attitude coming out, that was a massive kind of alarm bell for me. Yeah, 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 because you don't want to be. I mean, we've been down this road already with Bright, and look at the state mm. of him now. Kicked out of Coventry, barely played for them. It's, if you've got an attitude problem at that age, you ain't going to recover from it because shit sticks, don't so. Yeah. That's that. I've, I, I genuinely don't quite know what he will do in January, but because he's so, shown such early promise, mm. he, I don't know how many years you can write off as developmental at, at the club and barely playing. And I say, for him not to come on the pitch when, when we've needed goals and let's say he he was he's supposed to be in theory this understudy to Jimenez and it feels like now he is on the bench because he is a senior player rather than anything else. Yeah. Like he is not an option. It, it doesn't feel like he's an option. Well, the, the only other option is having a third goalkeeper on there. So. Yeah. And um, I think he kind of yesterday in a weird way proves that we don't need him here because I thought against all odds of Wolves playing a false nine that how it worked yesterday with how mobile they were and how they all, all three seemed to interchange at points in the game worked brilliantly we didn't need a striker which I know Gully's kind of bashed the case against for a long time and rightly so that whenever Wolves play without a striker it's terrible Yesterday worked, other than balls into the box, but we're not scoring them anyway. And it mm-hmm. was about uh, another thing we should have mentioned in the first half of that quote from Bruno saying, oh, Jimenez with his headband is not the same player. Yeah. So is that a kind of, yeah, we should have signed a certain striker from Cardiff in the in the summer who I kind of championed and then everyone else poo-pooed because he came from Cardiff. That kind of player is someone we haven't got. But if we're not going to play that way because Raul can't head the ball anymore and we're playing, he's playing as a kind of false nine himself, there's no place for Fabio Silva anyway. Yeah. So it'd be for everyone's benefit for him to go out on loan at least. But you say he's not our plan B. No. But actually, if we do need to stick it in the mixer to someone who isn't, you know, incapacitated to head of a ball, then he's your man. But yeah, let's say I think it's in. I think it's going to be an interesting one to play out over the course of the next six months until the end of this season. Because who knows, he might get a run of games. You never know. What, what if Jimenez has a hamstring injury, and we're going to need rotation and silver starts. So he plays in the cup against Sheffield, and you know, scores a brace and finds his way back into form. But none of that's going to happen unless. He bloody play so <laughs> yeah so i think it, it was indicative for me i'm not him, him not starting him not really featuring let's be honest and even when he came on he didn't exactly do much um sh- I, i'm reticent to talk about chelsea just because i know dan cover it dan will cover it and also i think it, i wouldn't quite say it's 50 50 whether the game's going to go ahead but there does seem to be a bit of um a bit of sway that the weekend games aren't going to go ahead at the moment. Well, are they playing now? If, they, if, if they're playing now and they had another three today, yeah, <laughs> they're only drawing one each with Everton. <laughs> um, so if if they're playing now and they don't get any more between now and 
say sat say Saturday afternoon, then you guess that the game will be on. Yeah, it's like we if they get any of the injuries that or COVID cases where all of a sudden, oh we, oh little old Chelsea don't have a big enough squad. Oh poor them. The forty-eight oh. that they're on loan and they can't recall. Oh poor me, their, their bench, their bench today. Uh, to be fair, it does include two goalkeepers. You know, that that that. They're in the same boat as us, really, aren't they? But they do have um, Sal, um, Niguez, Ningolo and Kante, Andreas Christiansen, Trevor Chabalar, um, Ross Barkley as well. So they've got a few players in reserve, I, I guess. But poor Chelsea. Poor Chelsea. Um, as you can see, I'm not a huge <laughs> Chelsea fan. Um, right. Shall we do some of our Twitter corner questions? Because I did promise you uh, we have got some good ones today. I, I was a bit worried. No, I wasn't worried. To be honest, I knew we'd we we me and you could talk about this game for uh, Brighton game for a while, and wasn't going to be a short recording. So brace yourselves, in guys. We got some good ones. We might be here a while. We haven't even talked about pies either. We haven't talked about festive pies. We we skipped the ref. <laughs> don't worry about don't worry about him. You know, lo- losing. You know connectivity a bit like we did before this recording um but he also had a very good game as well just just quietly just it's almost like just let let the players play and don't worry about the rest of it it's perfect yeah, it, there's a few a few moments where you think oh come on but oh yeah overall i don't i thought he did okay um yeah. for again for someone who hasn't been dragged down to their level yet I was going to say he's, he's not been warped. Um, yeah. Hopefully, um, he'll get to say the same thing as I said to somebody at work uh, within my first couple of weeks. When someone joked, "I'll drag, we'll drag you down to our level." Went, no, I'll, no, I'll pull you up to mine. Don't worry. And I hope, <laughs> I hope he gets to say that, and then immediately regret it for burning bridges in the workplace. Um, right. Anyway, uh, question for, right first up, um, that guy, Matt Guy. Um, says after diverting into central London last night on the way back from Brighton, what's your worst away day travel experience? Now, Stu, you've probably had a lifetime of these. Um, two, I'm going to give. Um, one was a relative near one at Fire St Andrews, chiefly because the coach was getting bricked. Um, yeah. Which ain't exactly fun. My phone was going down to Wembley for the semi-final, just because the guy who sat next to me was annoying the fuck out of me. <laughs> just wanted to talk, and I was going, but I was travelling down by myself. I had headphones in, Stu. The international, uh, you know, they don't, they don't understand, do they? No, no. Just, I, I don't want. I don't want to hear who you think <laughs> should be starting. I do not care. I, I mean, and usually, I, you know me. I quite like to talk, but no, if I, I couldn't be, I couldn't have made it clearer. So that I'm not going to say it ruined the day because other things did, but didn't didn't help matters. How about you? Yeah. Um, but yours is going to be far worse for me being like, oh, someone tried to be nice to me on a fucking <laughs> There's a couple that jump jump straight out. Um, going down to Plymouth on my own on a Tuesday night. 
Um, it took about five and a half hours, I think. And that was on the, in the old travel club days when we, I didn't go on the Hatherton and enjoy myself. Um, so it was on couch one of the travel club and the bloke, I don't think had washed in a week and it was Ooh. proper like pungent BO through every layer of clothing. And like, what, what can you do? You, you can't escape it. I mean, I turned the blowers on and face them towards him. So I think, well, come on, at least put it towards the window. <laughs> but nah, it was, unless his nose was broken, I and mean, this this was pre-COVID anyway, so there's no excuse. It was just terrible. Just, just terrible. Yeah, and right. it was, we felt that we lost again <laughs> as well. Um, and then it was another four, four and a half hours back midweek. Was um yeah pretty pathetic. I mean, there was another one where we went to Grimsby in December, thinking we were all hard, so we went in just t-shirts. It's in an ITV Sport Channel game on a Friday night, and we asked these um asked these copper where coppers where the pub was, so not just down there. And um, we walked in. We had a pint. We were drinking Fosters then for whatever reason, and it, it was so off. It tasted like it tasted like how you'd imagine the fermented egg on, on celebrity tastes. Oh. It, it was so bad. That's and so cool. we had, a, a, it was the first part of the day as well. So neck quite a lot of it as your first attempt and it was proper gone. And so that, that taste didn't leave us. And then we left the pub, opened the doors like saloon style, pushed them straight back, straight open into the face of the copper that we talked, we spoke to earlier. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> and who obviously was well, best pleased with us. And then after the game, the coaches has been sent somewhere else, whether not where they dropped us off. And he was there again. They said, "Where are they?" And are oh, they around there? And he sent us the wrong way. No. So we were on the ver- we were five minutes away from having to make our own way back from Grimsby on a Friday <laughs> night with just t-shirts on and no coats. So in the end, we we legged it full blast, full full pace down the road and managed to just about get back on but that was that was part stupidity part bad luck but yeah it it wasn't a nice experience but yeah there's a there's a lot of them that are just you get caught in traffic everything that does go wrong can go wrong kind of things but for absolute dreadfulness them to stick out quite strongly yeah that that they, they sound like very good answers um Another one from friend. I was going to say from Fancastian. Uh, Gullies asks, having shared a beer with a bunch of very amicable Brighton fans post match yesterday. Um, who are the most fr- well? Who are the friendliest fans in the country? Now, this one I think is very subjective because you might have had a good experience. I might not have. Vice versa. So, mine is Doncaster fans. Hmm. Well, we, we haven't, well, we're playing them about five times, five, six yeah, times, so. Pretty much, and I bumped in, I've bumped into a few um, after the, the games. I think the first one was when, um, I know, it was actually, no, it wasn't the first time, which is why I can't remember it, it was when we got promoted to a Premier League and they'd stayed up. And you know what? It's just really nice seeing, you know, two sets of fans buzzing. I think like we're trying to have like a photo taken or something and like um sort of kind of got in their way and apologised and they're like, don't worry about it, enjoy and stuff like that. And like, hey, we're just happy to be staying up and it's like nice to 
mm. you know, not nice to share that. Um, how about you? Any sort of standouts? I guess, let's say, it, it varies from person to person. Well, well, from team to team, even. Brighton is the obvious one, just because we... Our kind of history with Brighton as well as never. I mean, I was talking about this yesterday about how we, when we played at that god awful with the nonsense place. Oh, yeah. And every time we went there, I signed the petition to go to Fulmer and because obviously it was built on green, green belt. So that's mm. lobby the government and everything else. And they were always absolutely as good as gold with us every single time, regardless of any, any nonsense, any kind of the results or any bitterness that had gone on in the games. Never an issue with them. Never. Good as gold. Um, obviously, there were the usual things in the late, late 90s, early 2000s that we're not speaking of anymore, which, again, it, they even took in good humour. So well, yeah, I think actually Brighton's always a good one. And, you know, uh, I, I do always remember so, some of the, the chants and the ones back where you could argue it was a simpler time and whatever. <laughs> but actually, at, at that point, it's just... It, f- football can be quite good in that way that, you know, yes, there, there are people who mean it very offensively and just the being able to bounce it back and there being a little bit of humour within it just to kind of put somebody else down and it kind of go, you know what, fine. They say, or, yeah. Or, or, or we, yeah, never met a bad Brighton fan. And the other one was um, Brentford. Yes. Well, yeah. With our, our little um, battles in League One and yeah, and then coming up together and all that kind of thing, and it was almost like a a weird camaraderie with us for a while, for a time yeah. under the Kenny Jacket era, and then even being away. I mean, we we ended up driving past the new ground yesterday. <laughs> it was that much of a mess. And really, yeah. Well, part yeah. of the M, part of the M25 was closed, so we couldn't go. Uh, we couldn't go clockwise as we planned to. Yeah. So we had to go anti-clockwise, and then part of that was gone as well. So and that's why, like Matt said, we ended up cutting through central London on the two. We were going over the Thames and stuff at like half 11 at night. Um, so then we ended up going back past past um, wherever the new place is called, the Community Stadium. Um, mm. I've, I've shared quite a few pictures of that, how they built it there. But until you see it, it's like some kind of miracle how it yeah. even fits. I'd, you know? I, I drove past it going into Fulham a couple of months back. Um, yeah, I'm, not, I'm really looking forward to going there. Yeah. I'll be permitting. Yeah. Um, right. Next up, um, Dino D. Marston asks, what's the worst Christmas present you've ever received? Oh, um... <sighs> This was, almost, this, was, this was similar to one we had last week, where I can't remember anything really bad. I mean, obviously, if it's a jumper or something Christmas-related, I'm going to embrace it fully. Um, it might. This is going to be like proper like, entitled stuff, but it's when I've got already got something and I get yeah. a second thing, and like, what what do you do? Yeah, I've had a couple of secret Santas that I think we can sort of class because it's being bought for me, where it's just like, you've put zero thought into this. Like, genuinely, like, zero thought. You work with me. I've got about three interests. <laughs> like, I think we just type in Wolves gifts on on Etsy 
then you'll get something. I'll cope. But yeah, so, some people, someone who I used to work with, we'll leave it there. <laughs> no, I'm going to say I know exactly what you mean, but, and I'll probably do. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it, I think it's a similar kind of thing as well from, it hasn't happened for a long time, but it's it's those people who you don't really see very often. Yeah. And they obviously all mean well. And if it's like a mug or something, then it's sound because mugs get broke. But if it's like like the pictures and stuff for the video viewers, things mm. like that, um, where you have two of them, like what do you do the other one? <laughs> you put yeah. it in a box in case you, there's a house fire, and you need another one, or do you sell it on and then hope that they don't see that you've sold it on, or, or regift? Uh, I'd always be dangerous. I'm always dangerous about regifting if I can help it. You, you put up about getting festive presents now. Uh, this was a conversation me and my brother were having at the weekend for I'm not a fan of receiving a Christmas themed present on Christmas Day. Mm. Because don't get me wrong, you know I like a jumper stew. Born, um, born in cotton. <laughs> yeah, born in cotton wool blend. <laughs> <laughs> um however, if you get me like if I said a very Christmas one as opposed to festive, it's like I'm not gonna wear it for twelve months, eleven months, because I'm not gonna be wearing it Boxing Day, not really. And then after that, yeah, I'm not gonna be walking around with like a Rudolph or you know a reindeer jumper. Um, and I got very annoyed. I've got very annoyed repeatedly the last two years of people buying my daughter. Christmas stuff, <laughs> like the size she's in currently. Yeah, so she was grown out, yeah. And she's like, she should have grown out of this in two months. And again, she ain't gonna be wearing it in a week's time. And it should, it's like hills, hills I will die on. And that's yeah. becoming one of them. I can cope with Christmas tree ornaments because the Christmas tree will stay up for another week or so after Christmas. I can I can get on board with that. That's fine. But yeah, some of the other stuff around it, not 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 for me. Yeah, my my mom did that a couple of years running where she bought me like a, a Christmas like a Christmas dress shirt. Yeah, and so opening it on Christmas Day, knowing full well that I'll wear it next November. Yeah, but in in my kind of my mind, I'd I'd get it all folded away with the jumpers and everything else and look forward to wearing it the next year. Yeah, but I've Rather... forgotten about, I will have forgotten about it. That's that's my issue. And to be fair, like I, I forget about most things, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like That's why I'm not a fan of it, but the trend over the last few years about having Christmas Eve boxes. Oh, bollocks. Oh, no. We're not Americans, other than Blake. What? what? What is with them? Don't get it. Don't understand it. But actually, I think that it, if you're going to give a gift in that sort of way, then Christmas Eve box, fine. But yeah, not not a fan. Another thing, and I, I don't know why I'm stretching this out tangentially because we have other questions and we're 80 minutes into a recording, guys. <laughs> it, I don't. I've never seen this trend before, um, but. My daughter's been getting cards from her friends at nursery. Mm. It's very, very lovely. Some of them have had like little sweets and chocolates with them. 
never, never back in my day, you didn't do it. But like she had like four, and you know, about one in, yeah, about one in five of them had like something with it, like, like a little Christmas tree chocolate, or um, one had some, you know, Cadbury's buttons, a packet sellotape to it. Never seen that before. I don't no. know what it is. Is it a shiftal thing? I don't know. No, it's not a shiftal thing because um, okay. Corey's had exactly the same thing oh, in yeah. um, in reception this year. Ethan never had it, so yeah. it must unless it's this is a new thing this year or that we've been just oblivious to it before. But yeah, because you open his book bag and all the cards are in there, mm. and there was they are like the the terrible chocolate that you get that yeah. you used to, that you have to tie to the tree. It's them. It's yeah. them sellotape to the, the cards. Yeah. Because they're flat. I presume it's because they're flat, so it doesn't matter. Mm. Um, but yeah, I I didn't understand what I just thought, oh well, they must have given them out because they've been good at school and he's just put it in here. But if this is this makes sense now. Yeah. Yeah. So she had like like she's had like a candy cane, a couple of uh, Christmas tree sweets, and so I, never seen it before. i be, guys, if you still listen at this point. Let us know what is <laughs> what is the most interesting present you've had with a Christmas card, right? Uh, the um the other parts about it. Do you, do you get a big sheet with everyone's name on? Um, what from the nursery? Yeah, yeah, we did. We didn't last year, and we were a bit annoyed because because it was all COVIDy, COVID heavy last year. We we're like, oh, are we doing cards or whatever, and then we got like given like free. We we're like, oh, you didn't tell us who we should be doing it with this year they they're really good they printed off the name of the the student uh with the students kids um so we kind of yeah that that was nice and easy it's amazingly mom my mom still had mine from when i was at nursery really yeah oh, it, there needs to be a reunion well certainly because it, that came up because I've i've got things that i painted in nursery i put them up every year because yeah. she, she was going to chuck them out, and I went, "No, you're not doing that. They're mine." So I'm like, I don't think she's going to break everything down. That that little Santa and Rudolph there above the telly. Oh, okay. Um, bit of cotton wool there. Um, yeah. I was so they're say, like, without hopefully breaking mine, you can see for the audio listeners the snowman that my daughter made, um, which she also then denied making. Um, she, <laughs> she claimed one of her friends did it as well, so we, we won't know. But yeah. I, yeah, we've gone into jump the shark. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure my mum's got a Christmas tree ornament my brother made when he was five, and still puts up on the tree. And he's what 31. So keep keep hold of your cherished memories. Um, just make sure you get your timings right when you give them to people. Um, right, still on Christmas. Um, which player would you want to get in Secret Santa, and what would you get them? Oh God! See, part of me, part of me goes. It they say it's dependent on the player. I think it's Adama Traore. I'd say because it depends on your budget. But here's what I'm thinking: because if you got the option for a couple of them, then I'd go one silly, one serious. <laughs> Choose which way you want to do it. Be getting a bottle of baby oil. You also get him a copy of something like the Secret. <laughs> Hmm. Don't know which one's silly. Don't don't know which one's serious, but he'll use both. Hopefully, I was thinking because we mentioned him so many times already. Um, Sace, just get him something mental, and he'll wear it. Yeah, 
it's not nice and easy. So you, you look at some of these, I mean, it, you can't, every time there's a discussion on who's got the worst gear at the club and Sage comes out on top and you look and you think, I can top that. I can top that easily. <laughs> so he looks like well, the, the type of person who would wear anything you put in front of him. So it's easy to buy for. Fair enough. Right. Last but not least, um, in reference to Brighton <laughs> and Chelsea, <laughs> would you rather fight a lion-sized seagull or five seagull-sized lions? Now, I've been trying to work out a couple of parameters for this question. Um, the seagull size, the lion-sized seagull, it is as big as the wingspan, not just. So it's still quite large. It's not just the size of a small cat. It's essentially not a lion cub. Um, we could also debate whether the um, lion-sized seagull, no, the seagull-sized lion can fly. <laughs> um, but initial thoughts, break it down, Stu. Well, if you've got a lion-sized seagull, then that's going to be massive. Well, it's, it's not only massive, it's going to be like an uber swan. And swans are inherently evil anyway. Uh, even now at 38 years old, well, when I was walking out from work yesterday, they were there, the two of them, on the towpath in the canal. Was I scared? Possibly. Did I run past them? Absolutely. Because you know what they can do that you know, you're taught as a young child that swans can break your arm, you know. <laughs> Does, has anyone ever known anyone whose arm has been broken by a swan? No. No, because we're educated on it. Exactly. So you steer clear of them. So if you've got a massive swan on acid, like <laughs> like a seagull the size of a lion would be, you want to do everything in your power to keep away from that beast. Absolutely no way. Lions the size of swan. Swan saying that, though. Seagull-sized Seagull. lion yeah. is going to be relatively small, but I'm thinking if it's size of a wingspan, then, you know, we're talking... I really should have looked at the wingspan of a of a seagull. No, you can't. Um, they, they can't be that big. You got to think of them as just as the base of the body of the. You, you can't be messing with the formula because then they they would be like they'd be the almost like lion cubs anyway. So you got to think they're effectively kittens, like nasty kittens. Yeah, so, I'm gonna yeah, say you, like you'd rather face nasty kittens than a huge. <laughs> Killing the sheep. Yeah. I mean, we, we've spent enough time, Stu, not together, um, but we've spent enough time on English uh, seaside um, beaches to have seen seagulls swipe up food out of people's hands. I cannot imagine the size of a lion um, <laughs> seagull swooping in. Like, it will, it will eat people rather than just eat a baguette, which I saw happen once to somebody. Yeah, I mean, I, I've seen them I've seen them take people's, the whole art, they'll take your fish and chips, and they actually do. They, yeah. they, they fly away them easily. So, yeah, it's asking for trouble. It is, a, clear of them. it is a genuine spectator sport in Aberystwyth. <laughs> like, for, for any of you, depending on how well you know, Aberystwyth slash the university on the main university uh, campus, just the little front bit outside the student union. Just sit on the steps, the graduation steps, and just watch people. You know, if they're holding a sandwich, just spend a day sort of seeing who's going to get their sandwich next. It is 
fantastic. Um, might be a bit boring if it's a bit cold, but I was going to say bring some food, but then you're kind of getting, you're getting yourself into a cycle then. Um, if you got one the size of a lion, then you will be the food. Yeah, exactly. Like, imagine that swooping over your head. <laughs> no. um, that's probably a good a point to end this show, as we've now <laughs> racked up uh, <laughs> nearly an hour and a half worth of content on a pretty drab 1-0 game um, and talking about lions and seagulls. Um, we will be back, I guess, um, hopefully to preview the Chelsea game. Um, hopefully it goes ahead and again we'll review that game when we when we can to be honest um it'll probably be our last show before christmas as well um big thanks as always to our sponsors pixel yeti media and pro prep go check them out at their websites um we're on wolves fancast at wolves fancast on all our social media twitter facebook instagram um Thank you very much for listening. I feel like I'm missing something out. Yes, um, Fancast Advent. There's still a few days left of that. Make sure you uh, get involved in that to win some very silly prizes. Um, there is still a couple of mystery prizes yet to come. All I'm saying is, Stu, do you have a uh, do you have a Christmas or Wolves themed tie? I can't remember the last time I wore a tie at all. Um, but so no, no, I don't. Ah, it's a shame. Well. Just saying, if you need a if you need a tie clip on Christmas Day <laughs> for your you know your Santa tie, just saying, keep an eye out for Fancast socials in the next few days. That's the uh, that's the only hint I'll give. Um, but until then, it's goodbye from Stu. Cats are not evil. Cats are brilliant. Goodbye, everyone. And it's goodbye from me. See you next time. <laughs> Who would be a wolf, eh? <laughs>